Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel South London. You can visit us at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org. So you're in Luke chapter 5, which is good. It's a good place to be. But before we actually look at the text, um, another portion of scripture which the Lord has just laid on my heart, which, you know, in so many ways I want to use it as a springboard to pray. God's word says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Powerful words. Amen? Powerful words. Lord Jesus, as we consider your word today, I pray, Lord Jesus, that your word will be quick. It would be sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord Jesus. It would discern between the thoughts and the intents of the hearts, Lord, Lord Jesus. And I'm sure we would all agree that our hearts are, de- are wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can know it? We need you by your spirit, Lord, to search our hearts. We need you by, by your spirit, Lord, to reveal to us exactly what we're like on the inside, Lord, so that we can allow you to do the surgery Allow you, Lord, to make us more like you. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that as your word is declared today, that, Lord, we have this promise that it will not return unto you void. That hearts will be open, Lord, that there won't be those of us in here today who would just be so hard-hearted, Lord, we wouldn't want your word to penetrate it. That we wouldn't put up barriers, Lord Jesus, but we would be open to receive what you have for us this afternoon, Lord. So we commit this time, our thoughts. Lord, we take every thought captive and we lay it under the subjection of Christ Jesus right now, Lord. And we bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 5. And um, I'm going to read the first 11 verses and then we'll try and break it down and just see what the Lord would have to share with us today. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1 says, So it was... As the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answers and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon, And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. Amen? Amen. Well, 
in this portion of scripture we have before us. Excuse me. We find that Jesus had begun branching out his public ministry into the region of Galilee. He had shown his desire and flexibility to reach the people by moving from the synagogues where the religious leaders basically hung out to teaching in villages and in homes. And now we find Jesus by the side of the sea. And as he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, Gennesaret, the multitudes began to gather and press about him in order to hear exactly what he had to say. And just pausing here for a moment, you know, this is always an encouraging sight when we read in the scriptures that the multitudes would come out and listen to what Jesus would have to say. It's encouraging to know that we're all here today with the hope of listening and hearing what Jesus will have to say for us. Because as individuals, we're all going through different things. We're all looking for a word from the Lord, that he would speak a word into our situation which will bring light, which will bring life. And so it's always encouraging. And we know that from Romans chapter 10, it says that faith comes by and hearing by the word of God. And so, you know, as we read this, we see that there's an opportunity for faith, which the Bible says faith is substance. It's the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. But as we're going to see now, Faith was looking for an opportunity to be active because Jesus was about to do something very interesting amongst the people. So, if you can picture it, the crowds are pressing, Jesus is by the seaside, potentially a dangerous situation. It's good that we don't have in the next verse and Jesus fell into the sea. That wouldn't be good. And so, knowing that there was a potential problem, we see in um, verse 2, it says, Jesus saw two boats standing by the lake. And I like this, because it shows that Jesus was fully aware of the situation. He was fully aware of the situation, and he looked for a practical solution in order to solve the potential problem. And again, this is a a nice point just to have a little pause at. Because many times in life, I hope you will agree, when things seem like they have the potential to press in, they have the potential to cause trouble in our lives, It's easy for us just to fold, to crumble. It's easy for us to have the attitude that, oh, maybe we can't cope. But in this situation, it's good to take stock. Look at the situation. Be attentive to the situation. And once this is done, look for a practical solution. You know, many times when we pray to the Lord, it's like we're expecting some thunderbolt, some lightning. Lord, throw that brick in top into my head so I can hear your word. And it's all there. Written plain and simple in black and white. The solution, the, the answer to the problem is right in front of us, but we're not looking for the, the easy, practical solutions. And just as just a a sense of encouragement. Perhaps you're going through something right now and the Lord has said, you know what, there is a practical solution to this problem. Do you want to choose it? Do you want to choose this practical solution so you're not overwhelmed and crushed by the weight of things pressing in? But let's move on. 
In verse 2 it says, He saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. So, just to re-emphasize, the law saw two boats. And here, the author of this gospel, who is Luke, he places emphasis on the fact that the boats were empty. They were empty because the fishermen had gone from them and they were busy doing something else. They were washing their nets, which, you know, as we read it, it's a very normal thing for fishermen to do. It's normal for fishermen to wash their nets after returning from being out all night fishing. And so we have to keep in mind that the boat was empty. And as we consider this text, just a side note of things we need to take into consideration just to get a, a bigger picture. A fisherman's boat basically represented his life. It represented his business, his career, his source of provision for himself, his source of provision for his family, and his source of provision for many others around him. But in this situation, the boat was empty. Empty of fish, empty of workers, and empty of a captain to give direction. So, from verse 3, which, if you're following your Bibles, I would like to break it down in a little A, B, C, D, just to help us um, um, track along. We see that the Lord moved into action. Luke chapter 5 and verse 3, A, it says, Then he got into one of the boats. So, being, from being an empty vessel, Jesus now occupied one of the boats. And the text specifically says, in the next bit, um, 3B, which was Simon's. It's Simon's boat. So the author is giving us a clue that we've got to keep our eye on Simon here. Because Simon is going to be part of our main focus as we go through the rest of the text. And in the next portion, um, and it asks him to pull out a little from the land. So the Lord gave Simon a specific command, which was to put the boat out a little from the land, to which Peter obeyed. And, you know, as we read this, this all sounds very good. Sounds very nice. A nice little picture. Simon allowed Jesus to have access to the very thing that represented his life and his livelihood. And in return, Jesus used the boat, boat as a pulpit to minister to the people. And on one hand, and in one view, it's just a beautiful picture. A beautiful picture of surrender and giving over to the Lord of our possessions and the things that are dear to us. And I'm sure you would all agree that this is exactly what the Lord desires for all of our lives. That we wouldn't be so attached to our possessions that we didn't allow the Lord room to maneuver and work in our lives. The Lord Jesus' desire is for us to give him whatever we have so that he can use it as a pulpit for his service and for his glory. This could be our jobs, our families, our places of education, our leisure pursuits. All of these things are potential pulpits to be used for his glory. But many of us live in worlds where 
Perhaps the person next to us doesn't even know that we're Christians. Perhaps the person next to us doesn't even know that we have a personal faith and a personal God. Perhaps many of us struggle with the question of, how can I fit Christianity into my life? Where the real question should be, how does my life fit into being a believer and being a Christian? And I believe the Lord wants to challenge us in this area today. That the areas in our life which we put in compartments, we put in boxes and say, well, this is mine. This isn't yours, Jesus. This is what I do in my leisure pursuit. This is my education. This is my career. This is what I'm working for. So, you know, this isn't to do with you, Jesus. And if you want to bless it, bless it. And the Lord is saying, well, well, no, because your life should be mine. Your life technically isn't your own. You've been bought with a price, therefore we should be glorifying God with our lives. And so the Lord wants to challenge us today that you know, the, the things we have, our possessions, that we, we would offer it over to him and allow him to use it for his glory. So, as I said, in one view, it's a picture of Simon Peter giving over his possessions for the Lord's use. However, there's another, another view. And in this view, it adopts the attitude that, that Simon was perhaps thinking along the lines of, well... This is me doing my bit. And perhaps he thought, this is good. I mean, I'm here in the front row. I'm with the boys cleaning the nets. Jesus is in full view in my boat, teaching the people. Yeah, I like doing my bit for the Lord. Yeah, I'm doing my little bit. It's like I'm doing the Lord a favor. And again, there's many who live with this attitude as believers that somehow if we come to church, we're doing the Lord a favor. If we, if we decide to, as, uh, as Alex actually came up and gave the announcements, help out in church, well, we're really doing the Lord a favor then. Well, let's take it a bit further. Perhaps we're those who have a very nice personal devotional time and prayer time. And because I give Lord, you know, those 15 minutes in the morning, I'm spiritual. I'm doing the Lord a favor. And I'm not trying to say that's a bad thing. I'm just trying to say that that's a wrong attitude. That's a wrong motivation. It's subtle, but it's like, can you see how it's easy to get into that vein? That I'm doing my little bit, Lord. Aren't you grateful? And the fact is, is that the Lord doesn't need us to do our little bit like he needs us. It, also, it, it almost sounds a bit like, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this in your name? Am I, not, am I not doing this for your glory, Lord? And, you know, those of you who, who knows the scriptures, you know what the answer is to that, don't you? I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Now, I'm not trying to say we're there. I'm just trying to say be careful here of the motivation you have for doing what you do. Perhaps it's better not to do anything if you're going to do it with, with an a evil heart, a complaining heart. Oh, I'm doing this, but look at everybody else. They're not doing anything at all. Well, whatever you do should be unto the Lord. You shouldn't be watching anybody else. And so, 
the Lord doesn't need us to help him. But the fact that he chooses to involve us in what he is doing in planet Earth, you know, that's just a, a blessing all in itself. The Lord will welcome us and he will partner with us in order to fulfill his purposes in the earth is a blessing. And it's only because of his goodness towards us that he desires to, to be with us. And if we're in that camp where we give aspects of our lives over to the Lord, boxes of our life over to the Lord, the Lord is here saying that, you know what, I don't want aspects of your life. I want your life. That's what I want. I want you. And it's to this latter point that is really going to be highlighted as we go through the rest of the text. Because there is, a, there is an argument that as Jesus came along the lake on this occasion, it wasn't the same occasions recorded in the other Gospels. That he had already called, you know, um, Matthew and, and, um, and the sons of Zebedee. James and John. And for some reason, he had dismissed them. They had gone back to their families. Perhaps if we back up in, in the, the Gospel of Luke, we see that in a chapter beforehand that Le Jesus went back to his hometown of Nazareth and he went into the synagogue and he opened up the text of Isaiah. So maybe Jesus said, look, I'm going to go back to my hometown. You guys go back to your family, you know, and just... You know, do your, do your thing. Perhaps that was the case. And so he comes along, and with the disciples now, they saw Jesus as being a good teacher. They saw there was something about him. But doubt. There was doubt in the mind. They had gone back to doing the things which they were used to doing. Pete, I'm a fisherman. I'm going to go back to fishing. And so, if we can kind of like play around with that thought as we're reading the text, that perhaps Simon was there thinking, yeah, well, man, he said, well, we went back home and we're doing these things and he's here again and he's teaching the multitudes. Wow, okay, he's in my boat. Well, it's good he's in my boat because I'm doing him a favor, ain't I? Well, it says in verse 3, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And exactly what he taught is not mentioned in the text. And that's very interesting. And we'll come up to that right at the very end, but maybe I'll put it in now. Jesus wants to get into your boat. And he wants to teach you things which are personal and private to you. That's what he wants to do. He wants to encourage you and build you up. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. So there's things he wants to teach you which is personal to you because, you know what, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He has a personal plan and purpose for your life, my life. My plan and purpose is not yours. He wants to get into your boat to teach you things personal to you. Amen? And so he sat down and he taught, taught the multitudes from the boat. And the key thing here is that he's in the boat, ready to take control. Verse 4, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And this verse is very interesting because as we go through the Bible, we see that God's word is generally linked with commands and promises. You obey the command, you receive the promise. And here we see another example of God's word as a command being directly linked to a promise. It says, launch out into the deep 
and let down your nets for a catch. Now, by obeying this command, Simon Peter was actually relinquishing control and allowing Jesus to be captain of his ship. And his response comes in two parts. The first part is with a protest. He said, Master, and the Greek word here is epitatis, meaning master, teacher. We have toiled all night and caught nothing. What do you mean, launch out into the deep? I just, I just finished cleaning these nets. Perhaps he was thinking, how can you, a carpenter, tell me, a fisherman, how to fish? Jesus, you're a good teacher. And bruv, you've got a little healing thing going on because I saw you heal my mother-in-law yesterday, but bruv, come on. I'm the expert out here. This is the, the Lake of Gennesaret. My zone. Everyone knows that, you know, the fish are in the shallows. They never come out into the deep. Everyone knows that fish only come out when it's cool and never during the heat of the day. You can, you can, can you imagine, Peter? Everybody knows the fish come out when it's cool. I don't know if I'm doing Peter a disservice there. <laughs> they never come out during the heat of the day, Jesus. Jesus, don't you know that I know this lake like the back of my hand. And last night, you know, last night, I went to the best places at the best time and caught nothing. And now you want me to go out to the worst place at the worst time and expect to catch anything? Come on, Jesus. And I jest, but sadly... If we can handle it, this is where most of our experiences and conversations with the Lord ends. Lord, I've done this. I tried it. I gave it my best shot. It doesn't work. Lord, I'm not going to do that again. Perhaps if you're going through the difficulty in your relationships, maybe you're saying to yourself, Lord, I tried this marriage. I gave, I done gave this marriage my best shot. And you know what? It doesn't work, so I'm out of here. I give up. Forget about it. Maybe you're at work and you're having difficulty with your boss, one of your colleagues. And you're thinking, you know what? They're horrible anyway, so why should I try? Why should I even bother? They're off key. Why should I go the extra mile? Maybe you've got a teenager who just won't listen to you. And you're like, I've tried with this kid. I'm telling them all the time to tidy their room, do the dishes, hoover the house, go to school, do their homework. Can I get a witness? And they're not listening to me. So you know what? Forget it. I ain't going to bother with them anymore. And we know we can't be like that as parents. You know that. But you feel like that, don't you? You feel like, I give up. We're going to cut them off. Not talk to them anymore. Or is that just me? <laughs> yeah. And you know what? My oldest son is right over in that corner there. I hope the word of God is quick and powerful and living and sharper than any two-edged sword. <laughs> Can I get a witness? 
Amen. And so, you know, we say we've tried, we tried. And what we are actually doing is that we're limiting Christ to our past experiences, our past failures. We limit what he is able to do. We actually limit the Lord's power and the surety of his word. Instead of launching out into the deep. Maybe if you've tried so many different things, there's something you still haven't tried. Maybe it might take a bit of prayer and fasting. Maybe it may, may take a bit of harsh love. Sanctions. Maybe you're too liberal. That's me. Maybe we have to just do something different. And, and as we do these different things, it's like launching out. It's like saying, Lord, you know, this is going to be difficult. It's going to hurt, but I'm going to launch out. I'm going to do something different because I know you're with me. I know you're going to help me. But, you know, as believers, we tend to continue to live in the shallows. We tend to continue to live in the shallows of life. And in the shallows of relationship with the Lord, we like to put the Lord in these, our little box and, and say, yeah, that's, that's the Jesus box. And these are the Jesus things I do, you know, during the week and on a Sunday. But again, through this timeless account, you know, the Lord is trying to communicate something to us. He's trying to communicate that He's not looking for aspects of our lives. He's not looking for just areas where we can just use as a pulpit, which is good. What he's looking for and what he's searching for is disciples. Not this part-time business. Disciples who will obey him at his word. Hold him to his word. And as I said before, launch themselves into the deep at his command. It'd be, yes, sir, yes, captain, if he says so. Disciples who, who would do these things irrespective of past experiences, irrespective of past failures. And, you know, as we're reading through this portion of Scripture in, in, in Luke chapter 5, you know, it would have been a sad end to the story if there was just a full stop here and then it went into the next chapter. It would be a sad story if Peter, you know, would have said something like, launch out into the, into the deep during the heat of the day. You're joking, mate. I'm not going anywhere. And Jesus, if you don't mind, do you mind getting out of my boat? That would have been... A very, very sad end to this situation here. But he didn't. Amen. And we move to the second part of Simon's response, which was from protest to obedience. <laughs> Nevertheless, he says, at your word, I will let down the net. Nevertheless, you know, we pray all the time. Nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. We pray it, but do we mean it? Because praying for the Lord's will to be done in our lives may be very sticky. It may cause us to go through some turbulent and troublesome times. It may mean that all those who you thought were friends around you are no longer friends. It may mean there's a price to pay. And again, you know, we as Christians, a bit lightweight, we're like, oh, I don't want to pay the price. I just want this box Christianity. But Peter here, Simon Peter says, nevertheless, you know, I'm going to forego my will. Even under a bit of protest, I'm going to forego my will in order to please you, Lord. And at your word, and that makes all the difference. 
If it's at Jesus' word, it makes all the difference. If it's at my word, well, you may be in trouble. Because God's word is the only thing that matters. So much so to the point that, you know, the Bible says that heaven and earth is going to pass away, but his word is going to remain. So much so that, you know, Psalms 138 says that he has magnified his word above his very name. So we see his word is important. At your word, I'm going to let down the nets. Yes, he had told all through the night and through difficult times, but Simon was in this place where he heard the command, faith comes by hearing, and trusted the Lord's word. And the encouragement here is really that if you're going through a situation like this, are you in God's word? Because that is going to be the solution. And if you're in God's word, are you trusting God's word? Because there's a big difference to being in his word and then trusting his word. Launching yourself out into the deep. Maybe you're here today and you know that you live in the comforts and the, in the shallows of your life. And you know that Jesus is saying to you, you know what, I really got other things planned for you, you know. You need to launch out into the deeper depths of relationship with me. Maybe you're here today, and that's ringing true to you. And again, the confidence we can have, if that is you, me, is that with Jesus in the boat, anything's possible. if we allow him to be captain. And can I just say from experiences that as we come out of the shallows and we go into the deeper depths, you know, that's where we really find the deeper purposes of the Lord's will for our lives. The deeper purposes. There is a depth to the Lord which you haven't experienced yet and you need to. And the fact is, the depths of his word is unsearchable. Once you start studying the scriptures, you think you know it, you realize, you know what, I don't really know it. There's more to learn. And so, the deeper depths, launching out into the deep. And in verse 6 it says, And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. And, you know, to this, there was no natural explanation for such a great catch. <laughs> it was only the fact that Jesus had spoken the word. And so we have Simon Peter, the established and experienced fisherman, who thought he knew the lake like the back of his hand, but he came up short. And then we have Jesus, the carpenter, who didn't only know the lake, he made the lake. He created the lake, and he created the fish in it. And you know, as we look at this, we see that the fish that was caught was basically the result of the fruit of obedience. You know, as we're obedient to the Lord's word, as we do what he has commanded us to do, instructed us to do, who knows what fruit is around the corner? Who knows that if you let down your guard and became a little bit more vulnerable at work, at college, pumping weights, playing football, whatever it may be, playing netball, playing basketball, basketball crowd, and you just let the person who you're playing with know, do you know what? 
I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, he's my Lord and my Savior. However you say it, I don't know. But you just use it as an opportunity just to share your faith. Who knows what that could lead to? You may share with someone who goes back to their little old village in Eastern Europe, wherever it may be, and the whole village could get saved through your word to them. Who knows? The great catch was a result of the fruit of obedience. And you may share your faith with someone and never ever see the fruit of it. You may have to wait until we're all in glory. And then somebody turns around and says to you, do you know what, you, you shared the gospel with that person over there, you know, and they shared it with me. If you hadn't shared it with them, I would never have got saved. I wouldn't be here today if somebody didn't pray for me. I'm sure we've all got that witness too. The fruit of obedience. And there was so much fruit that verse 7 says, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so they began to sink. You know, the ripple effect. The ripple effect, it, it benefited others. And again, just to highlight my point, the obedience to God's word, who knows what the Lord would want to do. So when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And, and that will make perhaps a bit more sense if, if he was with Jesus and then he went back home and he was doing his own thing. And now he's like, whoa. You're not just a great teacher. There isn't just a little aura about you. You're not, you haven't just got a little healing thing going on. Wow. What, you, you, you command and control the fish? In the sea? Wow. And if we compare Simon's reference to the Lord in verse 5 to his reference to the Lord here in verse 8, in verse 5, he calls him epitatis, meaning master, teacher. But here in verse 8, he calls him curios. Meaning, supreme in authority. Meaning, God. See, before he, he, he had a relationship with Jesus and Jesus was called, as I said, something about him. But now, he's at a place where he's, no, you're God. I'm convinced. I need to worship you. He just crumbles at his feet. Simon recognized the supreme authority and majesty of the Lord Jesus. And he responded with an action and in a statement. The action was of surrender by falling at the Lord's knees. knees. And the statement was of conviction. And the two generally always work together, don't they? It's not always just what we say, it's what we do. And it isn't always what we do, it's what we say. And he recognized his sinful state that, you know, he had totally doubted the Lord. He says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You know, and our actions and our words are very important. As I opened up by reading, you know, um, Hebrews chapter 4. You know, at the end of the day, we have to give an account for our actions and we have to give an account to the Lord for our words. And here... Peter's actions, Simon Peter's actions was of surrender and his words were of conviction, wanting to get close to Jesus, falling at his knees. 
And you know what? Back in the day, it used to be a common sight, even during worship. It used to be a common sight where the Lord would just be ministering to people's hearts in worship. And it wouldn't be unusual to see people on their knees, hands raised, crying out to the Lord. Don't see so much of that anymore. Perhaps you, you know, people are saying, well, boy, worship's not really my flavor. Don't really like the way we strum the guitar or play the keys or bash the drums. Not realizing that worship isn't for you, it's for the Lord. It's an act of surrender. I surrender my vocal cords to sing praises to his name. Not for me. <laughs> and I feel good when I do it. I get something out of it, but it's not for me. It's singing praises to his name. Perhaps as a church, you know, not because I've now said it, maybe we can get back to that place where if the Lord's ministering to heart, you wouldn't be so self-conscious, oh, if I fall to my knees, people are going to be looking at me, and uh, it's going to be bait. Just fall to your knees if that's what the Lord's telling you to do. And so, verses 9 and 10, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. You know, as we go through the Gospels, there's many occasions where the disciples were astonished. You know, Jesus will say to them something. We're going to go over there. We're going to do this. And then they'll go over there and do it. And then they'll be astonished. Well, but didn't, just, didn't Jesus just say he was going to do it? Did you hear? You know, he, feels them, he fed the multitudes one time, and it was like, oh, is it, is it a big thing for me to do it another time? If I did it once. And they're astonished. Oh, they're amazed. But here, you know, because the Lord was going to bring them through a process over the next three years, they're astonished, they're amazed. And we have, again, a couple. Astonishment and fear. They were like, wow, did you see what the Lord just did? And, you know, that's a good thing. The wows are a good thing. You know, when the Lord does something in our life and we know, do you know what, that wasn't coincidence, that is the Lord. They're good things. They're encouraging things. But you know what? The truth of the matter is they're not going to hold you. The Lord got the children of Israel by the Red Sea. Red Sea? Red Sea. Parted it. They went through on dry land. And the next thing is like, nah, 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 we want to go back to Egypt. They didn't have, they didn't have meat. Oh, Lord, we, we want some meat. We want some proper food. Right. Quail of manna dropping down. Oh, we don't want this quail of manna. It's like, that's coming down from, that's food coming down from heaven. It's like, what's going on here now? That's not a normal thing. The Lord will do miracle after miracle. He provide for these guys. He provide for these guys. And they will murmur and they will complain and they will complain and they would murmur. And the fact is, if you're just looking for God to bless you, it's not going to hold you. It's the obedience to his word. It's holding true and fast to his word that when everything looks wrong and looks like it's game bad, you know what? I'm going to hold on to your word because your word is true. That's what's going to hold you. astonishment and fear fear of the lord the fear of the lord is what the beginning of wisdom we need to fear the lord when we're doing things we shouldn't be doing we need to know you know what the lord is watching me woe is me we need to fear him not with i'm so fearful i can't do anything but fear him because we love him we want to be pleasing to him amen the fear of the Lord. They were astonished by a carpenter's catch of fish. Doesn't even sound right, does it? A carpenter's catch of fish. And fear because they recognized that he was no ordinary carpenter. And we have this lovely sentence here when jesus reassures simon you know with these comforting words he says you know don't be afraid 
do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. <laughs> and this is, this is beautiful again for me anyway, because it's like Jesus looked through the corridors of time and he prophetically reveals to Simon <laughs> that he's got other, I've got other plans for you. This, this fishing thing in, in the lake, that's a good thing, but you know what, I've got other plans for you to fulfill my purposes for your life. And, you know, Pastor Robert is going through the book of Acts and he's well long gone past the day of Pentecost when the Lord's words came true. 3,000 souls in one day. Through Simon's declaring the message of the gospel. And so, verse 11 says, And when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. Now, these guys, they forsook all. Simon totally relinquished control of his life and allowed Jesus to be captain. And, you know, today, forsaking all, you know, it can mean different things for different people. I'm not trying to preach a message that we must all now, you know, resign from your jobs, forsake all, and just start preaching the gospel. Not at all. But the Lord may be challenging you. Maybe there's a job which is a fantastic job, a fantastic opportunity to maybe go abroad, earn loads of money, but you know that if you take this job, you're not going to have any fellowship, you're going to be isolated, and you know there's every opportunity that before you know it, your faith could wane. And perhaps the Lord is saying, you know, it's a good opportunity, but that's not for you. Maybe it's your studies. I don't know. Maybe you'll have to fill in the blanks in this. Maybe it's your studies. Maybe you want to be a doctor or a you know, Bachelor of Art Honours or whatever it may be. I don't even know about these. But maybe the Lord is saying, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. But are your studies going to take you completely away from church, from fellowship, from prayer? You'll have, to make, you'll have to make the decision. Is it worth the sacrifice? I don't know. Maybe you making the decision to not do it is forsaking all. It's forsaking, nevertheless, not my will, Lord. This is what I want for my life, but your will be done. Maybe. You would have to decide. You'd have to seek the Lord's face to find the answers for that. So they forsook all. And I'm glad that they forsook all. Because, you know, without these guys forsaking all so that we could have the message of the gospel, again, we wouldn't be here today. Simon Peter wouldn't have been there at the day of Pentecost to declare the message. And so... Um, you know, as we close, some final considerations. Um, I don't think I'll be able to cover everything, but perhaps one consideration. Is the Lord Jesus in your boat? Are you a believer? Are you saved? Because... He desires to come into relationship with you. You know, you may have an impression of Jesus that, you know, he's busy dealing with the needs of the crowd. The Lord Jesus, you know, he's too busy for me. He's, he's interceding for, for the saints. You know, Jesus is too busy. He's upholding all things by the word of his power. He's too busy for me. But if that's how we're thinking, the fact is that the Lord Jesus still sees the empty vessels. He still sees the empty vessels, the empty boats, and his desire is to come and occupy so that he can save you, so that he can teach, so that he can direct. And maybe 
you know, you've been walking for the Lord for a while. And the question is, is Jesus the captain of your boat? Or are you as an individual very much in control of your own life? You know, you're very much in control of your family, your business, your career, your studies, your leisure pursuits. And you've got Jesus in his little box. Well, as we've considered, the Lord desires that you relinquish that control. That you wouldn't just give aspects of your life over to him, but you would give your life over to him. Or have you subtly been caught up in the tra trap of thinking, you know, I'm a believer, I'm doing my bit. I help out. I give my offering. I attend a prayer meeting or a Bible study, whatever it may be. And as I said before, these are not bad things. It's just the motivation behind why we're doing what we're doing. And the Lord wants to just correct the motivation. And he wants us to, you know, be committed disciples. He doesn't want aspects of us, a section here and a section there. He wants us. That's what he wants. And... He wants us to be serious about being disciples. Hearing his word, obeying and trusting his word. Again, irrespective of our experiences, irrespective of our past failures. And he does all these things and he wants all these things because although you may not think it, <laughs> a carpenter knows the best. For your life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word because it is truth. We thank you, Lord, that you're so interested in our lives, Lord, that you would challenge us and provoke us, Lord, to come closer to you, to come out of the shallows of our relationship with you, Lord, and launch ourselves into the deeper depths of who you are. That is your desire, Lord Jesus. And it, it begins with us trusting you at your word. It believes with us taking those steps of faith, Lord. It, be, it, it begins with us perhaps doing something we've never done before. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will increase our faith. Increase our faith, Lord Jesus, so that we would be obedient to you. That we would draw closer to you, Lord. And that as we do these things, Lord, um, we know that you are faithful. We know that you would start to unravel your plan and your purpose for our lives. And so... I pray, Lord Jesus, that your word, Lord, as it permeates, permeates Lord, that it would really just um, do its work in our hearts and minds today, Lord, and that your name will be glorified, Lord, that our conversation will be rich in you. And so, um, yeah, we commit these things into your hands, Lord, and... Um, and pray for your blessing upon it. In Jesus' name, amen.